You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Good morning. Everybody awake? Awesome worship this morning, worship band. That was awesome. I'm excited to be here. I know that some of you are trying to fill in your credits for chapel, and I know that some of you, I even heard this morning, you're here even though you had all the chapels that you needed. That's awesome. That means you're a seeker. You're a seeker for more. You're a seeker for more of God. Anybody that comes to Bethel University, I think, is a seeker of God. They want to get closer. Yesterday we experienced the busiest Sunday of the year. It was Easter Sunday. Our churches across the world were filled to the rim. Um, it's an awesome day. It's a day of pageantry. Ladies are wearing flowerful, flowery dresses, and little girls are wearing dresses. Little boys have bow ties and suits, and even the gentlemen dress up a little bit more. It's a day that churches tend to fill up when other days, other Sundays, they don't. And that includes some people who don't even really believe in God. They're making their one appearance in church for the year. And that's okay. We'll always, we'll always take anybody that wants to, to come and see more about Jesus. But the challenge is the next week, all across America, there's some disappointment. And there'll be boards of elders and deacons trying to figure out, you know, what happened? What happened? We were able to attract all these people and fill every seat last week, but this week we're back down to our normal crowd. And they'll start to you know, try to dissect it. Was it the pastor? Maybe he wasn't as charismatic as he should have been. Maybe it was the worship. Maybe it wasn't as intriguing or exciting. Maybe it was too upbeat. Maybe it wasn't upbeat enough. They'll wonder if uh, maybe taking the offering was a bad idea that week. And they'll, they'll try to put their finger on it. You know, what was it? Why, why did people not come back? And they think it was part of the programming. But I want to let you in on something. It's, it's not the programming, and it's not up to the pastoral staff to facilitate church growth. In Ephesians, the Bible tells us that God gave us the fivefold ministry. Evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, apostles, the fivefold ministry. And a lot of times we go to church and we think, well, ministry is their job. It's up to them. They're supposed to do this. No, look at what it's for. For the perfecting of the saints. That's you and I. God gave the church the fivefold ministry, the full-time ministry, so that we can be perfected. For what? So we can just go to church? So we can just be successful in life? No. Look at the next words. For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. God uses us, lay people, to do the work of the ministry. Do you remember when Jesus was a boy and he went missing and his parents were kind of frantic and they were looking for him? And they found him in the temple. At 12 years old, they said, what are you doing? Now, he was teaching the elders in the synagogue at 12. And he looked at them and he says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. I hope you understand this morning that if you're a born-again believer, you have the same father. 
and your father has a business and it's loving people and it's saving people and if you didn't know it he's still in business we are not our own we just came through easter sunday where we celebrated a weekend of first the death and then the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ it's the greatest price ever paid in the history of the universe and it was paid for us and too many times we focus on us and not the rest of the people that that price was paid for so i like to remember and remind myself that i'm not my own i've been bought with a price and so have you you are blood-bought sons and daughters of the living god and guess what our father's still in business the Bible tells us in Romans that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. Look around. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. That's us. And if you didn't know it, I want to encourage you this day after Easter that we need to be about our Father's business as well. Too many Christians, good Christians, they're all about their business, their thoughts, their emotions, their needs their wishes, their desires, their education, their career, their future. They're so focused on their business, they don't have any time for someone else and what they might need. The result is a self-centered society. Now, you're young. I'm old. <laughs> I grew up in an age when everybody was friendly. We said hi. When we walk by somebody, we would say hi and engage them. How's your day? How are you doing? Today, society is completely the opposite. No one says a word. In fact, they don't want to make eye contact. You, if you go to New York City, you go to Chicago, you go to Detroit, you go anywhere. I, say, I grew up in Wakarusa. We still say hi in Wakarusa. But in a lot of places, they, they look at you and they look away. Oh my gosh, that guy looked at me. You know? They're scared. They're afraid. And the result is we have a self-centered world and believe it or not, we have self-centered Christianity because a lot of us have abandoned the love that we are to have for the lost and hurting in this world. I have never seen a world more messed up than I see today. People everywhere I look are hurting. Depression is off the charts. Suicide is off the charts. It breaks your heart. You read stories of preteens committing suicide. Clinics are full of psychiatrists and psychologists, full of them, trying to help. But the tide, the wave is so big, you can't even get in to see these people. I was at a, a meeting last week, and uh, some of the people from Oakland were there. That's our area's number one facility for this type of, of mental challenges. And they said, if you have an emergency, and you call and you say, my son is talking about committing suicide, it can take eight to ten days before anybody can talk to him. It doesn't bother me that much. I think what bothers me more is when I see churches filled with hundreds and thousands of people that don't understand if they would do what they're called to do and be who they're called to be, we wouldn't need clinics full of psychologists and psychiatrists. Now, that may sound harsh, but I'm telling you, you have something inside of you that everyone needs that doesn't know Jesus. The world is a dark place in 2023. What do they need? They need the light. They need the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Jesus. He said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But he clarified later and said, you 
are the light of the world. You, city that is set upon a hill, cannot be hid, and you shouldn't take it and hide it under a bushel, but you should shine your light before all men so they can see your good works and glorify God. You are the light of the world. I want to let you in on something. Shining the light is meant to be done in darkness. It's not just meant to be done at church where everybody has the light. It's not just, well, I go to church every Sunday, Scott, and I pray every once in a while, so surely I'm shining my light. Where is the darkness that you're shining your light in? Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. Remember that? The church accused Jesus of being a friend of sinners. I think the problem in the church of Jesus Christ today is that hardly anybody could be accused of that. And if you were accused, was there enough evidence to be convicted? I'm convinced that believers want to let their light shine. They want to show others their faith by their works. But they just don't have the time. Remember, they're busy about their business. Well, here's a hard truth for a Monday morning, but we all find the time to do what we want to do. Some Christians have the heart to do it, but they don't know how. Or they think they're not qualified. I want you to know that's one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy is trying to convince believers that they don't have anything to say or they don't have enough knowledge or they don't have enough experience to make a difference in the lives of someone else. That is a lie from the enemy trying to keep you from sharing the good gospel, the good news that's inside of you, the love and the mercy of God. So how do you show them? Just let somebody know that you care. So our job as sons and daughters of living God is to show them the love of Jesus. And it comes in a lot of different forms. But I'm going to tell you, you don't just do it with your mouth. You have to show them. You have to physically, through your actions, show them. Jesus told his disciples right before he left this earth that he was going to endue them with power from on high. Now that sounds exciting. You know, they were excited about it. Well, what was it? You, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power to do what? To do the work of your Father's business. To be witnesses of me. So many Christians want power to do this and power to do that and power to become this and power to enjoy that. What about witnessing? What about being a witness for Jesus Christ? There's a lot of forms of evangelism, but the number one most effective form of evangelism is one-on-one personal relationship. How many times have you ever tried something or purchased something because a friend that you knew and trusted told you to try it. This is good. You should try it. How many of you know what this logo is? Sorry, I'm behind one. I'm in charge of the slides. Does anybody know what that is? Seriously? What is it? Lululemon. My wife was introduced to Lululemon about 18 months ago. Yes, you can pray for me. Best leggings ever, her friend Amy told her. So there we were in a big city in front of this big store. 
and I was drug in. And I proceeded to watch hundreds, hundreds of women jockey for position to get a pair of what I would describe as stretchy pants. <laughs> Don't let my wife know I said that. Understand, my wife's never done a day of yoga in her life, but it doesn't matter. This is the best fabric ever. It's the best fitting ever. It's the best design ever. You have to have it. And of course, you know what the first thing was that I noticed? The price. <laughs> Lululemon's stretchy pants start at $99, and they go up to about $180. But her friend Amy, who was basically an ambassador for the brand, had convinced my wife that she needed a pair of these. The marketing that Lululemon had done, I'd never seen it. I've never seen one commercial for Lululemons. I've never heard one radio spot for Lululemons. The marketing is done person to person, word of mouth. They have reached the rare air where their products have gone viral in the word of mouth, friend to friend, that drove the, the brand so much so that it sucked so many people in and it got my wife. <laughs> you fast forward 18 months, my wife's closet is full of every color and pattern of stretchy pants, shirts, hats, shoes. It's crazy. Lululemon's annual sales are up 10,000%. That's a fact. This is Business Week quote. Lululemon's success has enabled them to charge higher prices and rarely have product that goes on sale. It's crazy. And their unbelievable, unmatched popularity is because of the simplest thing ever. Word-of-mouth advertising between friends who know and trust each other. Amy's, my friend's wife, her love of this brand compelled her to share them with my wife. And now my wife seems compelled to share them with other ladies. They are basically ambassadors for Lululemon now. Now, back to us, the church. There's something we've been told about. There's something that we've learned and tried firsthand and experienced in our own lives. And it's better than any consumer product. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the good news? What does it mean? Well, sadly, some people immediately go to their denominational doctrine as the answer. I want to tell you something. One of the reasons that certain forms of evangelism have not worked in the church is because people have based them on their denominational doctrine. I'm sorry I'm talking fast. And they go to people's doors with their denominational doctrine, and they don't go to people's lives with Jesus. So I want to help you out here this morning. To a homeless person living under a bridge, what's the good news? The good news is you don't have to be homeless anymore. I serve a God who is greater than anything on this earth, and He loves you, and I'm going to show you that love personally, and I'm going to help you get out of this situation. To a person who's addicted to drugs, the good news is you don't have to be addicted anymore. I serve a God who's stronger than your addiction, and He can free you from that addiction. And I love you enough that I'm going to try to help you get out of this situation and get free from that addiction. I'm going to get involved. To a person who's depressed and thinking about suicide, 
The good news is that while every other person, every other person you've ever met in life may have let you down, I serve a God that loves you with an everlasting love. And he will never let you down. And I want to introduce you to him. And I love you with that same love. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to befriend you. And I'm going to come alongside you. And we're going to walk out of this depression together. The good news of the gospel is so good and so powerful that we should be compelled to share it with those we have relationships with. Especially those who don't know whether or not they even believe in God. And whether you know it or not, I'm sure there's people in this room that aren't sure whether or not they believe in God. You can be a witness to people in your own dorm room. In your own dorm. It's so good and it's so powerful, you'll never have to discount it. You'll never have to try to make it fit. You'll never have to try to pretty it up. Jesus, His love, His mercy, His grace, His salvation, His power, His overcoming power is what people need in this dark world. And you are carrying it with you every day. As a church, we just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, He paid that price not just for you, but for everyone else. And our Father has tasked each and every one of us with the job of sharing that knowledge in this great gift with people on this earth. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Jesus may not walk this earth physically right now, but guess what? He said, I'm going to put my Spirit inside of you, and He will not just be with you, but He will be in you, and He will lead you, and He will guide you into all truth. And do you think that's just for us? Do you think that light is just for us so that we can navigate through a dark world? No. It's so that we can shine it and have people attracted to our lives and say, what is it about you? What do you have that I don't have? You're smiling all the time. You don't cuss like I cuss. You don't smoke. You're not addicted to what I'm addicted to. What is it? What do you have that I don't have? Why are you always in a good mood? Why, are I ne- why do I never see you depressed? What is it about you? Let your light shine before men that they will be attracted to you. And what do you do? You point there. You don't point here. You point there. You point them to Jesus. You have what they need. So what am I saying? Love somebody today. Care about someone else besides yourself. Pray for someone else instead of just praying for yourself. Pray for someone else's needs instead of just your own needs. Spread the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus has so freely given you. What does the Bible say? Freely you have received. So freely what? Give. For believers that are saved and they say, I don't know what to do, what's next? We just had a great Easter service, but now what? Paul tries to explain that here in 2 Corinthians 5 when he shares why he does what he does. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Since we know how wonderful salvation is, it's so much better than any consumer product, we do what we can to persuade others to put their faith in, their hope in, their trust in Jesus. He goes on to say, for Christ's love compels us the love of Jesus Christ 
compels us as the sons and daughters of God to share. Paul continues, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's for all of us here. Should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's the now what? Because he died for us, we should die to self. We need to stop living for ourselves and start living for him. That's your message this morning from God. Take a second and just think about this. When we're saved, when we're born again, there's so many scriptures that talk about the transformation that happens. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Here's a tough question this morning. When your friends that knew you before you were saved look at you now, do they see anything different? Do they see the same person or do they see a new person? Do they see a person who's walking in power and authority or do they see a person that's getting beaten up and driven by the waves of the world, the ups and downs and the roller coasters? Do they see a person who mentally and emotionally is solid because they build their life, like the song this morning, on the rock, Jesus Christ, and when the winds come and the waves come, they stand strong and solid? Or do they see a person that's tossed to and fro by their emotions? God wants to use you to bless other people. To get there, you're going to have to build your life on that rock. Paul goes on to say that Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It says in just the next verse, he committed unto us the, re- the ministry of reconciliation. What's to reconcile? It's simple. To restore to friendship or harmony. So God reconciled us through Christ. And he's given us that same ministry to take to other people. And I want to break it down to that friendship, that word friendship. Because really that's what it's about. In this world, people that don't know Jesus need friends more than anything else. And they need godly friends. They need friends that are going to encourage them. I mean, just as Christians, we need godly friends. You want to not get in trouble? Don't hang out with people that do things they shouldn't be doing. Hang out with people that have the same drive and compassion and, and they want to be a, a, a good son and daughter of the living God. They don't, they don't want to fall into some of those traps that are out there from the enemy. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation so that we can be friends to people who need God as a friend. Look at that last part. He has committed unto us that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's a family business, guys. And he's making his appeal through us now. The ministry of friendship through us. Friend to friend. Word of mouth, the original marketing plan. God doesn't need more mega churches with bigger screens and better bands, and more charismatic speakers to build his church. What he needs is his kids, forgive me this offense, to get off their butts and get in the family business. It's time. God wants to use you. I promise you that. The, the best prayer that you want to see answered in the world ever is this, Lord, please use me. 
Lord, send people my way that need to know you. And I promise I will point them to you. God, send people my way who are hurting and distraught and struggling mentally and emotionally. And I promise I will turn them on to you. And I will walk beside them. And I will become their friend. And I will help lead them to you. That's what he's looking for out of his kids. If you want to do better, get into his word more than you ever have. If you want to do better, pray and meditate on the word and on God more than you ever before. In a world filled with hopelessness and darkness, you're the light of the world. You need to be prepared, like the scripture says, to give an answer for the hope you have. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. God will give you the words. He'll give you the words. And those words will make a difference in the lives of unbelievers. And you'll see people come to the glorious light of the salvation of Jesus Christ. God wants to use us to be His hands and His feet. To use that power that He gave us to be witnesses for Him. Lord, I just pray that You help us remember that witnessing is not just something that we do, but it's something that we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your mercy and Your grace. And I thank You, Lord, that You love us enough to speak clearly and plainly to us as Your children. This is a family meeting this morning, Lord, and we, we know, we know, Lord, that You've called us to something greater than what we've experienced in the past. You've called us to be used of You and not just be floating along in life. You've called us to think of others before ourselves. You've called us, Lord, to be your sons and your daughters and to help in your business, which is loving and saving people. Now, Father, I pray that each and every one of us would leave this place today with a charge from the Holy Spirit to do better at what you've called us to do, Lord, to be better, to be like you, to be like you, we know that being part of a family means you look like your parents. Lord, help us to look like you. Help us to have the mercy and the grace for others that you've had for us. Help us to show forgiveness, Lord. Help us to show understanding. Help us to show compassion as we fulfill your charge in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.